sad, sad day over in the UK. The Queen passes away. Takes on the rain. This is locked on Royals today. At least the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, absolutely legendary, legendary Queen and monarch. She got to see two Marlins World Series victories. We can rest easy knowing that. We're going to dig into plenty on today's Locked On Marlins. And finally, finally, Sean Barrett is back in the house. And it feels fitting the two UK guys come together on Thursday's episode of the back of the news of Queen Elizabeth passing. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from a somber England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MiamiMarlins underscore UK. Please subscribe to the pod or the YouTube channel, whichever you prefer. Sean Barrett, another UK GOAT, joins me Thursday's episode of Locked On Marlins. How are we doing, Sean? I'm not too bad, yeah. No, very strange and, uh, as you said, somber day. It's not quite sure how to cope. I'm not, I was never a big royal fan but you know you can't diminish what what she achieved in that long reign and uh it's gonna be you know hard uh, hard seat to fill for sure no doubt about it it is it's a weird feeling i feel exactly the same i feel emotional i feel upset somehow i'm not a royal either um and but there's something about the stability that the queen provided to the uk and the world i think just her nature her manner um yeah, just a, a real icon, a real icon and a real sad day for sure. Nevertheless, the show must go on. The show must go on. Welcome back, Sean. You were recording on a Thursday. I mean, I know you, I, I teased it out earlier in the week. Uh, everyone knew normally Monday is Sean's slot. Nope, it's going to be Thursday. Um, so glad to have you back on. The problem's been, there's been a lot of L's. There's been a lot of L's and we are currently sitting at nine on the spin. However, the pitching staff remains nice. Let's go back to last night's game, mate. Let's start there. Trevor Rogers. Um, I've watched all of last night's game. And, and actually, the last two days in a row, I've watched the full game. So I can't say that's been the case throughout this nine losing, nine game losing streak. But wanted to really tune in, get a good look at Trevor Rogers. And I must say, it is fantastic to see Trevor. He is as back as as, as back as he could be. He did leave a change-up right over the middle of the plate that got destroyed for a two-run bomb. However, other than that, it was really great. From a Marlins perspective, and also from a Trevor Rogers perspective, how great is it to see him bounce back now after this IL stint and back to what looks like the Trevor we know and saw in 2021? Well, it's absolutely huge. I mean, this whole year has been you know, a, a struggle for him and, and for us as fans to watch him. You know, the All-Star game last year, and the success that he had. And we just haven't seen that all year. And now he's come back from, was he injured? Was he not injured? Either way, he's back and he's back up now. Two quality starts, uh, 13 strikeouts, one walk. They're, they're, the, they're the numbers that really are interesting to me that we're getting, you know, we're getting quality starts out of them. The, the strikeouts are, are back there where they were. The strikeouts were a little bit down earlier in the year. Yeah, walks were a little bit high, so for him to come back striking guys out, not walking anybody, well, the one walk, 
uh, yeah, as you said, the home run was, uh, you know, that, that deserved to be a home run, really. But, yeah. you know, it's having him back and having him be a, a linchpin of the, the rotation. Um, if he can continue this for the rest of September, we can certainly go into next year with a lot more hope than maybe we would have had if, if he continued to struggle the way he has. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really encouraging thing is like just getting back to the Trevor we saw, like the, the velo's up. Um, he just looks to be pitching with more confidence, even though, yeah, okay, left one or two. I mean, the second home run, um, the Segura one, I mean, you, there's nothing, you can't point to Trevor Rogers for that one. It's about 10 to 15 inches, I think, like inside. It is in like Braxton Garrett territory or Tanner Scott territory where they like to kind of put, put a lot of balls. Segura just went down and got one and it just about got over. But yeah, the one other bomb, it was destroyed and rightfully so. It was like, you know, 84 mile an hour, middle, middle, and just left the change up up. Um, it was change. Well, it was up, but no change. I think that was the problem with that one. But great to see Trevor back. Lozado as well the night before as well, mate. So all of a sudden, these Marlins lefties, you know, really starting to stand up and, and, you know, be counted here in September. And there's no cupcakes. What I said to you a couple of weeks back, all these teams, because of the, you're facing in the hunt teams, you know, but the NL East is is really in the hunt all three of those guys are, are looking to win you know that the stat lines are real that's the thing it's not like oh hey look at the numbers here and they've blown through the cubs and the nats and the pirates no if you are if you're going seven strong like lazaro did again it's real right now but it's great to see him he's really i think since the il stint taken another step up i said on yesterday's pod looks like a number two starter for me what about you yeah i mean it's fantastic to see continuing that you know since his return as well, being absolutely on fire. And there was a bit of a period of time where we were talking about having him as, you know, the number one lefty in the rotation yeah. and how we need him after the Trevor problems. If we can have both of them or if we can go into the off-season with both of them having that value, it'll mm -hmm. be interesting to see, you know, what could happen. I mean, I think we are, we are at this point where we are talking about moving an arm um, or two and, you know, I think moving two major league guys would be a mistake, but one of them's almost certainly going to be shopped around. Well, they're all going to be shopped around to yeah. some degree and one's going to go. So, um, you know, if you look at the Lozado acquisition and how we got him for a couple of months of Marte, and mm. as you say, as much as it was butchered in one way or another, the return has been fantastic and, and they could quite easily ship him away um, for, you know, quite a haul. Now, if they don't, then he's, yeah, he could be a number two. That is some elite pitching that we're seeing from him now. And, and it's not a surprise. This isn't a, it's a change from anything. This is just him realising the, the, the potential that he had and, and, and was discussed when he was coming up. This is it. He's, he's realised his potential. No shock that you put him in the stable with Mel Stoudemire and next thing is uh, he's righted. And again, it just... It just shines another light on Mel Stoudemire, just how important he is. The Marlins have basically strategically decided to go down the path of, we're just going to draft pitchers, develop pitchers, and that's it. For that plan to work, you need Mel Stoudemire to remain in the organization. And so for the Marlins, and I know Craig Mish spoke about it on the recent Swings and Mishes, you know, that is priority one for the organization right now. If Mel walks away from the Marlins now in this offseason, Boy, that that would be a huge, huge blow and one that I'd be intrigued to see if they could actually overcome because so many so many guys have taken a step forward 
if Mel is, a, is is taken out of that equation, like what happens next? You know, that is something that really I, I don't want to see, to be honest with you, because we have our pitching. And if we don't have our pitching, boy, oh boy, what do we have? It would be it would be extremely troublesome. But to your point, though, I re that's a really good point that, you know, Lazardo going into this offseason, if they decide to move him, it will be an extreme profit that, you know, a couple of months of Marte for uh, a year and a half, let's say, of Lazardo, and then, you know, some sort of big bat you have to assume would come back or, you know, high-end prospects, bats. You're going to look at it and say they have turned a profit on this one, which is what the, you know a team like the Marlins have to do, though, right? Like, they have to be able to acquire guys, develop them, move them on and that's that's just the philosophy right that just has to be part of the fabric of the marlins because of the payroll so you know it just they have to get into that mentality of doing that type of thing though right absolutely i mean it is that case of it is a, a a position of strength um and you can always say that there's an embarrassment of riches and then there's injuries and then you, you're cut short a little bit but realistically you can't go into a season where you want to compete with the offense the way it is currently set up Mm. With all that surplus of pitching, that you've got to try and level it out, level it out a little bit, um, yeah. and and whether or not it is Lazada, whether that is Rogers, or whether it's Pablo who is further down that arbitration line, or she was shopped around at the at the trade deadline, that would probably make the most financial business sense. Um, but I suppose it depends really on what each guy can can get in a trade, um, depending on. And as you said, yeah, no, getting a guy that's young, controllable, um, not. Earning a lot of money. That's mm -hmm. you know, that, that sounds like a Marlins bat to me. <laughs> it absolutely does. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do. It's our first ad of the day. And guys, it's a new one. Well, if you're a long time Marlins, locked on Marlins listener, this isn't new. But to me, this is brand new. And I must say, this is an interesting one. Let's just call it like, let's just call it what it is. Um, so let's dive into it, guys. And summer's winter. Summer's winter. Summer is winding down. Let's try and get that right. The nights are longer, but the breeze is getting stiff. Boy, oh boy, that is right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. <laughs> Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. So Blue Chew, what is it? It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of our licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting time. Blue Chew's, tab Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in useful. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Love that strap line. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code locked on at checkout. Just pay five bucks shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code locked on to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Wonderful. Blue Chew, baby. 
I need to check to see the shipping is does also include the UK. Unconfirmed at this stage. We'll wait and see. Nevertheless, sure. Let's get in. Let's carry on this theme of pitching here and um, and throwing pills. Sandy Alcantara, baby. He is rolling tonight. It is, in my opinion, it's a massive start for Sandy now after being blown up in two of three against a Phillies lineup that is, as Dave Shaw put it, inconsistent. It is an inconsistent lineup. But I think we've seen elements of that in the first two games, but we know its potency as well uh, when they're on. How are you feeling about this Sandy start? How big do you think it is in the Cy Young race overall at this point? I think it's important. It is a case of, I think he's still the favourite. I think he's still oh, yeah. quite quite heavy favourite, actually. Um, if you look at what the bookies say, if you want to take that into account. Mm. And we spoke after he got blew up uh, against the Dodgers and spoke about the idea that well, it's Dodgers and a very good offensive team. And if any team was going to do it, that would probably be you know your best bet. And we spoke about also that you know he always bounces back. And boy, did he bounce back, complete mm -hmm. game, win against those same Dodgers. So I think that's what I'm not, I'm not expecting a, uh, a complete game from him. Um, but I'm certainly expecting a bounce back. Um, the Phillies, as you said, yeah, they're, they're, they're a good team. They're a playoff caliber team. Um, uh, the, the hitting can be sort of hit and miss, quite literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when they're on, when they're on, they're on. And they are a good team. And I think... We've always thought of them as, you know, a playoff contender. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the rest of September for them because I know they're having their struggles. But, yeah, no, Sandy needs to bounce back, um, not only just because you don't want two ugly starts and you certainly don't want three or four on your card, especially as you're wiping down for your last couple of starts, trying to win that side young. Um, so, yeah, no, six, seven strong innings, I think, are what needed tonight for sure. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> I actually listened uh, just on Sandy Alcantara in this Cy Young race. I was listening to the Just Baseball podcast uh, earlier this week. I think it was it was Tuesday I was listening. I think the episode was actually released on Tuesday. And the guys were talking about um, awards, update on all the awards, the major awards. And they got heavily into the Cy Young conversation in the NL, of course, because it's one of the major awards. Um, what I would say, if you haven't listened to it, guys, is Firstly, go and take a listen. It's it's a brilliant pod covering all of the major uh, awards and discussion points. It's re it's really interesting because when you get into the numbers, it's so funny. When you get into all of the numbers, you strip it all away. The surface level numbers that we all look towards typically to analyze and assess pitching. Julio Urias miles ahead of Sandy in everything other than innings pitch, basically, and um, it's it's funny. It's funny just when you get into it, just how good Arias has been it's under the radar in many ways like it, you know we had Gonsolin kind of you know trending Gonsolin's gone away but actually you dig into Arias's numbers and they're absolutely sensational um and in in every category better than Sandy which is interesting but the guys still pointed out they're still taking Sandy we're still taking Sandy it's because Sandy does things that no one else does Arias does what he does because he's given a six inning leash he knows full gas for six innings. Sandy's there thinking, I need to keep something in the tank because I'm going nine. I want to go nine and I'll be given license to thrill for nine. Um, 120 pitches. Arias doesn't have the same. They just managed it, it very differently. And I think if Sandy, it'd be interesting. This is the question for you, Sean, is how different do you think Sandy's numbers would look if it was like, you've only got six. You've only got six and then we're going to the pen. It doesn't matter 
where you're up to. Like, that's just how we're going to manage our team. Do you think you would see a change in the way Sandy would approach and pitch? Or is it still just going to be the same old Sandy looking to, you know, induce soft contact and ground balls, etc.? I thought it was a really interesting thought there, really. If put him on the Dodgers, what would Sandy Alcantara be, I think, is the question. I think, I mean, he's a ground ball pitcher. We know this. You know, he's not that high strikeout guy. Mm. I think if he were going shorter, yeah, obviously, you're going to get an extra mile an hour or so on that fastball, and you're going to get a couple more extra strikeouts. But what I would say is for a baseball team, as far as a team trying to win games, I don't think that makes him a better pitcher. For them, no. I think having that length from him, having that seven, eight innings every day, or every five days, is that's helping the Marlins win games when they're yeah, off far between. I think as as far as winning baseball games, Sandy being the way he is is significantly better than the Sandy going six innings and having one or two more Ks per nine, but you're going one sixty rather than two ten in yeah. innings. The boys called it out, actually. They just said, well, the reason is is because Sandy, even after seven, eight or nine innings or 10, is still better than any reliever coming out of the Marlins pen. That's <laughs> effectively what they're saying. Where the Dodgers pen, bit of a different situation. You got some studs coming out of the pen. And so, yeah, you turn it over to Bra you know, Blake Trinan and let him do his thing. And he's sensational. And there's other guys. And they made all the same points very much like you. You probably haven't listened to the pod. You just, you know, switched on about baseball as well. But... I think it was an interesting talk track and in very interesting to look at the numbers overall, look at Arias' numbers. And actually, he is underrated. He has flown under the radar. He really has. He's having a sensational year. Um, he's yeah, He's been brilliant. He just hasn't been sandy. But for this start, it's huge. And we are on the cusp here, though, Sean, of getting to another franchise record for the Marlins. They've, they've oh boy, they've sniffed a few of them this year, all in the negative sense. They're higher ever loss I believe is 11 so they're sniffing that um, if they can't get the win with Sandy then what's on deck it's a three-game series against the Mets who to be fair are scuttling no doubt but you know you, if they go to 10 here it wouldn't shock you if the Mets win the first two in that series and they set a new franchise record here I think from for Sandy happy birthday by the way Sandy um, and for Sandy for the Marlins I think it would be great just to go out there, put down an absolute stunner of a performance, win the game, get the streak done, get Sandy the win, and just get this Cy Young boxed off. But if they don't win this one, though, Sean, how nervous are you that they're actually going to break this streak, this 11-game losing streak? Nervous? Not really. I mean, <laughs> some, some smart host out there is saying a loss is a win right now. So, oh, boy. <laughs> um, I, I mean, but Sandy, with Sandy on the mound and him needing that bounce back, it would be nice to get that win. And if the win doesn't happen tonight, then I, I'm not too concerned with the Marlins losing every game for the rest of the season. No. Um, we need to see changes in the off-season, and we'll have plenty of time to get into that, I'm sure, at some point. But the you know the worse that they play for the rest of, into the rest of September, the better, because there'll be less excuses for the changes not being made. I think that's a fair assessment. The reality is there's going to be no hiding place for anyone in this organization at the end of the 2022 season. There, there can't be. There's just no hiding place other than some of the pitching staff, a lot of the pitching staff, to be fair, plus Mel Stoudemire. Beyond that, there's no hiding place. And everything is fair game, in my opinion, when they've they've been this bad 
considering where they expected to be, and it's just like the expected wins internally versus the actual wins is going to be so. And you know, we don't know what they're you know what exactly they're expecting, but we heard Dan Greenley on the pod. They they thought they had a chance. They thought they were in the mix. So they're expecting to be an over five hundred team. Is my takeaway from that? Um, and they're going to be a million miles away from that, which is disappointing. I'm um, sure we're going to wrap it up there early. We're calling it at 20 minutes. Um, but never fear, guys. We are back tomorrow. Me and Sean Barrett doubling up here. So we're going Thursday, Friday, UK Goats, bang, bang, dedicated to Queen Elizabeth II. Um, guys, that is Locked On Marlins out of here for Thursday. Peter Pratt, Sean Barrett signing out. But... Back tomorrow. Let's hope Sandy can lay down an absolute stunner. The Marlins maybe get a win. Actually, we don't care. As long as Sandy puts out seven, eight, nine, and he keeps this Cy Young train rolling. Back tomorrow, guys. <laughs>